This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome back to another great edition and episode of The Adam Ritz Show. I'm your host, Adam Ritz. Jay Baker joining me on the telephone. Hi, Jay. How you been? I am doing great, Adam. Hope you are, too. We just came off an outstanding Memorial Day weekend, and here we are back in the saddle again. Well, it's uh, June uh, this year, 2021, literally flying by. Uh, before we know it, it's going to be uh, mid-June, and we'll be looking towards 4th of July plans, and then the next thing you know, the summer's over. <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Summer is very short. So here, we just entered June, and uh, with a pessimistic view, I'm also looking at summer being already over. Uh, but no, summer's great time of year. A lot of uh, great golf uh, outings for charity happening all around the country. I wanted to highlight one uh, right off the bat that uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm a Purdue fan. I I went to Purdue. I'm a Boilermaker. And uh, for our listeners in the rest of the country outside of Big Ten country, uh, one of the schools in the Big Ten, uh, pretty good basketball team as of late. Uh, The football team has been strong at points, uh, but on and off here in the last uh, 15 years, I, I guess, Uh, Our national listeners might know Purdue mostly here recently from Drew Brees uh, being a big Boilermaker quarterback who played in the Rose Bowl and has had just an amazing career uh, in the NFL. And the Drew Brees Foundation and charity work from him and his wife is endless. So I'm a proud Boilermaker, and there's a a, a Purdue, um, I guess, connected a golf outing that was just announced. It's the first ever, first annual. Uh, and I'd like to tell you about a young man named Tyler Trent. Now, I'm no, I know, Jay, you know who he is, but uh, for oh, our yes. national lis- listeners, Tyler Trent was a Purdue student uh, just a few years ago who was battling a very rare bone cancer disease. And he did end up passing uh, while, uh, you know, I believe he did graduate before he passed, but just shortly after he passed, he, he uh, or after he graduated, he passed and he rose to national prominence and fame. Uh, during his senior year, he helped raise over two and a half million dollars with his Tyler Trent Cancer Research Endowment at Purdue. And a football fan may remember, uh, I think it was three years ago. Um, and we'll, we'll sort of guesstimate it was about 2018 uh, when Purdue football wasn't really that strong. Uh, I, I'd say they were in the they were below the halfway mark of the Big Ten in the lower half of uh, talent and record and uh, winning percentage. And they came out with uh, a, on, on a national game, a night game on national TV. I think it was on ABC. And Tyler Trent was a guest. Uh, sideline reporter. And the network kept going to him with his uh, insights to the game. He's a huge football fan, and he was saying how Purdue will win this game. They were playing Ohio State, and on any other night, Ohio State would have beaten Purdue by four touchdowns. But that night, Purdue beat Ohio State like 55 to, to 20. I mean, Purdue 
absolutely destroyed Ohio State. And uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, I guess Purdue fans and Purdue lore, Purdue legend is because of the Tyler Trent uh, connection that night and just the electricity and the fans were going crazy. Everybody in the stadium knew Tyler Trent was there down on the sideline. Everybody watching the game nationwide. Uh, even Ohio State fans, I would say, some of them secretly were kind of happy that Purdue won that game because of <laughs> Tyler Trent. So anyway, uh, we move forward to today, and uh, it was just announced that the Tyler Trent Foundation is pleased to present and announce their very first annual tee-off for the Tyler Charity Golf Classic. Uh, it's happening on Monday, June 28th. Um, at the Bridgewater Club, this uh, this this very nice uh, golf course is in Indianapolis, uh, which is just about an hour and a half south of Purdue, uh, Boilermaker Country, and um, this uh, is going to be a big deal. And uh, a little bit more about uh, the Tyler Trent Foundation. It was established in 2019. It's dedicated to continuing Tyler's mission to support cancer research uh, and honor his memory by improving the lives of others who are challenged by the same disease. Working alongside so many who knew and loved Tyler, the foundation will continue Tyler's efforts through a number of initiatives, uh, including this inaugural Tee Off for Tyler Charity Golf Classic happening on June 28th in Indianapolis. We'll put a link to this um, event on our website, adamritzshow.com. And if you're interested, please check it out. I'm sure you can donate. If you can't make it, you can still donate to the foundation. And uh, I guess on a side connected note, I just encourage you to get involved with, with any uh, charity golf classic this summer. It's it's sort of an over, I almost said overdone uh, charity event because so many people have a, have a golf outing. Uh, and I know I've been involved with some charities and, and the last thing they want to do is have a golf outing. But I'm telling you, people love golf outings, and oh, it's absolutely. a it's a great opportunity for someone. Uh, you know, I, I'm not that good at golf, but I like it. I, I enjoy playing. Occasionally, I'll have a good score, but I'd rather go play in a golf outing where I can play. I can pay just a few extra dollars to um, have an event. Have you know? I'm sure there's a lunch involved. Maybe uh, maybe there's a a raffle you can join. Maybe win a prize. And most of the dollars you're paying to play golf is going to an amazing cause, in this case, uh, for a rare bone cancer disease. Uh, so, yeah, I encourage you, even if you're a novice golfer, a great golfer, um, or just looking to, for something to do this summer, check your local, uh, uh, I guess, searches and or newspapers or uh, periodicals for any kind of golf outing in your area, uh, there's probably a, a golf course within five miles of your house right now, and sometime this summer there's a golf outing that you could pay to play in, have a great time, have a great day with three of your friends, buy a foursome, and you'll also be giving to a great cause. Uh, I know you've, in your illustrious broadcasting career, uh, have hosted and emceed numerous golf outings, and you can back me up on that on, on how great a golf outing charity can be. Oh, and you're absolutely correct. You and I had a famous uh, mutual boss who was Mr. Golf, and he got us pulled into a lot of these tournaments. And you're absolutely right. I had a great time at every one of them, and uh, almost every one of them raises really significant money when you get a group of people just having a great time and you're passing the bucket around, you have a silent auction. Uh, I can't say enough good things about uh 
golf outings that raise money. You're absolutely correct. So it's golf season. Uh, it's the Adam Rich Show, and uh, we are brought to you in part and underwritten by Vibonomics today. They are an audio uh, company producing uh, in-store audio experiences across the country in retail locations like grocery stores and convenience stores. You walk in, you hear a song, uh, you hear a promotional voiceover message between the songs, uh, you hear an advertisement about the products inside that store between the songs. That is what Vibonomics does. You can learn more about them at vibonomics.com, or you can click on their logo that's right on our homepage at adamritzshow.com. All right, Jay, uh, so we got to get out and golf. Uh, and practice for the golf uh, outings because they're usually best ball, and and it's sometimes embarrassing to show up and not have a good ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, you're absolutely correct, and it's funny you mentioned best ball uh, because I am what I would call an intermittent golfer. About every fifth shot is somewhat decent. I'm not going to rate it as good, so therefore I can play in a foursome and actually contribute a shot or two during the during the match but i always have a great time and i always uh buy uh balls at the pro shop and then promptly donate them to the adjoining woods at the golf course yes that's your charity golf outing you, you <laughs> donate balls to the pond <laughs> uh and you know i've been that guy in the foursome where we play 18 holes and we didn't use one of my shots <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Don't you know? I know. I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. But occasionally you get lucky on a putt and uh, somebody uh, c- thanks you for at least contributing one shot to the best ball for some. All right. What else is happening uh, in your world? Well, I'll tell you, Adam, you know, we know that the Adam Rich Show listeners are some of the best radio listeners in the country. And one thing about our show is we really want to give you public affairs information that you can use to stay safe. We just came off the Memorial Day weekend where they estimate that about nine million people uh, actually had uh, participated in air travel over the long weekend. And that was very positive. Uh, and many communities now are having lower COVID numbers than they did about a year ago. But most people are still urging everyone to at least have a sense of safety. You got to kind of approach it with your own approach and use local guidelines. Local guidelines actually trump the national guidelines on health. So we're just urging everybody to still remain safe. Uh, as we get into summer months, you know, this is the time of the year where everybody gets exposed to more sunlight. And there's kind of an alarming trend. The Food and Drug Administration has been urging people to stray away from, you know, now that we have Instagram and TikTok and things of that nature, there's a number of people out there that are saying, hey, I've created this natural sunblock and here's how to make it. Well, That sounds good because, you know, it sounds like something that, you know, when you hear natural or I came up with it or whatever, uh, the Food and Drug Administration is urging people to not do that because many of these products are unproven, untested, and you may not be getting the sun protection that you need. That is uh, some pretty good advice. I, well, I don't you know. know how many people are going to start their home remedies, uh, but you're right. The, the the influencers, the people on TikTok sure. and YouTube. Hey, guess what? I figured out how to take five household items uh, and save you ten thousand dollars this summer by making your own sunscreen. 
Uh, yeah, you know, it you, sounds good. That, yeah, that uh, there's some red flags there. I'll just go ahead and go to the corner drugstore and uh, pay yeah. for my sunscreen and my sunblock. Yeah, this came up because obviously everybody, and it's good that you are, you pick up a product in the store and you do mul- notice there are multiple ingredients on there, some of which, uh, you know, seem very chemically oriented. But the Food and Drug Administration actually makes all the manufacturers of sunblock and sunscreen products, they have to prove that they really do block the sun and they also have to prove they're safe to use. So as Adam just said, by and large, you're going to find a product that will probably work for you. And if you are going to go out in the sun, I mean, this is the season you really do want to avoid a lot of sun exposure, especially if you have kids in the family. And since we're talking about sunscreen and and sun exposure, I will uh, tag team your comments by saying, uh, with I guess we could call this a, a PSA for asking for help. Do not be afraid to ask somebody to help put sunscreen on your back. Yeah, uh, I, I've seen just already. Here we are, just in uh, early June, and I've seen so many people that uh, have a sunburn on their back because they couldn't reach their own back. Uh, I'm one of those guys, and I'll I'll ask somebody if I can't find somebody to put sunscreen on my back, I'll I'll just wear my shirt because I know there's going to be that you know those finger stripes on your back where you can reach your shoulder blade. Yes, <laughs> or. or uh, Right around the back of my love handles, that's where I can reach. But in the dead center of my back, uh, and it looks a lot like uh, some sort of constellation in the sky, there's an amorphous <laughs> shape of red sunburn because I couldn't reach there. <laughs> so well, don't be and afraid I know. to ask somebody to put some sunscreen on your back. Yes, absolutely. And on this show, we really urge people to do take care of your skin. Believe it or not, your skin is your largest organ. That's right. And we're not saying that in a titillating fashion. We're telling you that you got to take good care of that skin. And you do not want to have to deal with uh, skin cancer issues for sure. Now, speaking of the FDA, they said in a memo, we had to say it. If you have seafood allergies, avoid eating cicadas. As you know, this is sort of a famous cicada summer uh, where a very large number of cicadas have erupted all over the Midwest and the East Coast, the famous brood 10 cicadas. And there's already multiple outlets. You know, here's a recipe for cicadas. But if you have a seafood allergy, avoid cicadas because they are related to lobsters and shrimp. I I did just hear that today. As a matter of fact, Jay, I, I would have never eaten one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and uh, there's there's somewhat of a a viral challenge of it's not even a challenge. Just it's it's become known that they are similar to s- seafood, shrimp, and lobster, like you said. So people are eating yes. them. And uh, very good advice to keep in mind if you have some sort of shellfish um you know a problem with it like a food allergy don't eat the cicadas that's are we where have we gone where this is our well our public affairs show is advising america not to eat the cicadas that's a problem now do you do have to love america because we are if nothing else we look at opportunity 
and we say, well, if there's going to be an inordinate number of cicadas, I'm going to figure out a way to make some kind of dinner out of it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, it's free food. So, yes, please, please be careful. Once every and 17 there, years, we can have a, uh, a free cicada burrito whenever we want. Just uh, you have to buy your own tortilla. Absolutely. And even though they look menacing, they are harmless insects. And uh, the Humane Society had put out a, an advisory. And this is pertinent. If you have a dog that likes to roam, if you have kind of the, the sporting style dog that or a farm dog, keep a kind of an eye on them because they will eat cicadas and it can cause stomach upset for your pet. They are considered non-toxic to animals. But you don't want to suddenly have to deal with a dog with a very upset stomach. Trust me, um, it's no fun to clean up after your pet. You know what I'm talking about. And we also uh, advise uh, the anybody with a John Cicada joke, keep it to yourself <laughs> at this point. Yeah. We don't need any Cicada, Cicada we've, jokes ever again. We've already heard them all. Yeah, absolutely. There's no new ones. Uh, here's an interesting uh survey they ask 1000 workers now these were workers that mostly worked in large cities uh if you were forced to return to work 39% of workers would consider no longer working for that company if their employer didn't allow some remote work so we've talked a little bit about this i know it can be controversial about returning to work uh, not the least of which uh, most employers have sort of a large investment in commercial real estate. But, you know, the the way America works, I think, is going to be greatly shaped by the pandemic. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, that's a higher number than I, than I would have thought you were going to say. 39% in this survey yeah. said they will not, they, they will look for other employment if their employer forces them to go back to an office. 39%? Yes. If there isn't Ooh. at least some allocation for remote work. And now, once again, this, you know, this is sort of a, a big city. This survey was conducted uh, in two cities, Chicago and Philadelphia. So, you know, your results may vary. And I understand that, you know, any talk about uh, the pandemic is potentially controversial. So I don't bring it up to be controversial, but I too was surprised that people would be readily mm -hmm. uh, willing to forego their current employment if well, it didn't it, fit what they like to do now. And maybe uh, I was thinking too hard here. I, I was thinking the employees were saying, if you're going to make me come back to the office, I'm going to quit my job. But I think what this survey is saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that if there's not at least a little bit of flavor of work from home, if I don't have yes. the option to once in a while, if I'm not feeling well, or if my kids, uh, if there's an issue with daycare, or if, if, if I'm going to get hammered for not coming in every single day, then I don't want to work here. I guess 39%, yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah, and once again, the reason why I even bring this up is I am sort of uh, an observer of life, and I know that the pandemic has altered our approach to work and things of that nature, and it's shown up in some surprising ways. So for me, it's just something to look at and go, well, isn't that interesting? Well, and you're right. I mean, 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now, 
there will be certain cultural aspects of how we do business or just actually carry on through our day and they'll be able to date it back to the year 2020 during this pandemic and how everything changed. The biggest one I've been talking about is uh, the film industry. So now the uh, the movie theaters are, I believe the number this week was 74% of cinemas are reopened. So the movie business is sort of almost back in full swing. I know they just had uh, right. you know, a 50 million plus weekend for uh, one of the recent horror flicks that came out. Um, you know, th- the highest grossing film during the pandemic was two million or under two million now over 50 million so the numbers are coming back uh but still most of these films that are released they are released at the same time to a streaming platform for example cruella with emma stone that came out uh, recently in theaters and for 30 bucks you could watch it at home on uh disney plus i think and yes and for thir- and if you're thinking thirty bucks, I'm not doing that. Well, if you've got four people in your family, you're going to spend forty four bucks going to the movie. And the streaming platform, uh, my sister got the movie, and I think she has it for a month. So yes, you know everybody, yeah. I know every cousin we know, every second cousin we know is going over to my sister's house to watch Cruella, <laughs> <laughs> so she can get her thirty bucks worth out of this thing. Sure, anyway, absolutely. So that, that's how the movie industry's changed from 2020, and uh, I'm sure working from home, you know, call it a perk if you want, but even five years from now when you get hired, that's going to be one of the interview questions. You know, how how much can I work from home? And the yeah. employer is going to have a, a, a ready answer for you. They're going to say, you are required to be here uh, most of the time, but under reasonable circumstances, if you are productive and you've not been written up for being non-productive, you can have the option to work from home. I'm sure that's going to be commonplace among a lot of companies from here on out. Yeah, and I think the good thing is is you can see firsthand whether you could actually work from home. I would have guessed 20 years ago, there's no way I could work from home because there's way too many things, in my opinion, that are distracting, not the least of which is that big television set that goes, hey, Mm-hmm. There's going to be some uh, afternoon baseball. You should turn it on. Ironically, I've stayed busy enough. That has not been a factor, but you are correct. So just thought that was an interesting uh, uh, study on uh, what will happen when offices are requiring their workers to come back. There was a huge sleep study, and this is one, you know, we've always talked about studies. Uh, sometimes they don't seem to have a good database like if you do a study for a week and go hey people like vanilla ice cream you might go yeah you should have tested that a little bit longer but i thought this was a fascinating study from mit they studied fifty-five thousand sleep trackers and then also did two hundred and fifty thousand sleep surveys on top of tapping into one of the genetic services because nowadays people are really like companies like 23andme and Mm ancestry.com where you can you know submit your personal dna and find out about your genetics and who your relative you know who your uh, forefathers were and all the rest of that but they have found in this study that a one hour shift in sleep can significantly reduce depression Hmm. And I thought that that was pretty impressive. There, 
got there after talking to you know over a quarter million people they found that the average person sleeps from 11 p.m to 6 a.m but if you could get to sleep let's say at 10 p.m you could actually reduce your chance of depression by some 25 percent and i thought that seems simple and seems straightforward. And I was kind of glad to see that it wasn't like some, you need to run a marathon every month, you know, kind of, kind of health stuff. It's something as simple as perhaps going to bed one hour earlier. Or, I mean, I don't, I'm not a morning person. So how about we put that hour on the end of the cycle? Let's, <laughs> let's, well, uh, let's get up at 7am and be less depressed. In fact, I will argue that if I could get up at noon, I would be very happy. <laughs> well, that's funny you said that. And, you know, there's actually a note during that that said that we live in a morning world, but people do identify as being afternoon and evening people. And I would put you in that category. In fact, I rarely bother you with business-oriented stuff until sort of late morning because I know I'm going to get a much better answer from you. Uh, I, you know, maybe I'm revealing too much on the no. show. <laughs> you're but if actually, I have to hit you up for something. I, I wait. You're, you're being too kind because <laughs> yes, not only will you get a better answer for me if you wait, but you'll get an answer for me if you wait. <laughs> so, yes. And the converse of that, which always cracks me up is I am a morning person, neither here nor there. I just have always been a morning person. So by about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I feel like, okay, good. We're kind of winding the day down. Our good friend Adam gets his best ideas after 3 o'clock. So at 4.30 or 5, you're very likely to come up with a great idea that we all should act on. <laughs> and then it's like, grumble, grumble. We're working later than we want. you know. Yeah, so then everybody's like, funny. our day's almost over. <laughs> No, it's not. We just <laughs> no, got a great not. idea. Now I got we a begin. great idea. Oh, it's so funny. But uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting and something that you can sort of investigate on your own and it doesn't require uh, a bunch of altering of your schedule. Uh, California is currently looking at creating housing in unused mall space. And it's kind of a brilliant idea. There's ample parking and most mall structures and big shopping centers are close to population centers. So there may be something to that. We live in a community where they recently turned an old minor league ballpark into apartments. Yes, that's right. And uh, the first thing I thought of when you said mall, old mall shopping space becoming residential uh, condos or whatever uh, is that retail is taking a hit with online sales and Amazon yeah. and every other way you can go to e-commerce and order your groceries or whatever. Uh, I know my daughter, uh, a couple of years ago when she was in college, she used to work for a store called Lucky Brand. And they were a very uh, large chain of uh, kind of a jeans store, uh, cool T-shirts. Yeah. You know, they had Zeppelin Queen and... Van Halen t-shirts and some Hawaiian shirts, and uh, it was a cool little store. Well, guess what? I think all of them are out of business now because people just oh, I'll be darned. People just buy, uh, you know. There's there's online services now where you can get your for the same price. 
is going to the mall to buy a shirt, you can have your own, you can sign up for an app where you can have your own fashion consultant once a month send you an outfit based on your profile and what you like. And if you buy the whole outfit, you save, you know, 30%, or you could just buy one piece of the outfit. I mean, they send you shoes, pants, belt, shirt, everything. And so you can buy the whole outfit, or you can, or you can say, I don't like any of it, and send it back. Uh, that is why they are now turning shopping malls into residential spaces. Yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting. And then, as you well know, like like you just said, we're so used to the traditional brick and mortar business, meaning that you go someplace where there's actual, you know, business inside of a building. I know there's certain uh, businesses like hardware and stuff. I feel like I really need to go to the store. Yeah, yeah but I'll tell you. <laughs> so what I can I, prowl around. What I'd enjoy is I'd like living in a mall. And sure. as long as as long as some of my favorite stores were still active and, and alive in the mall, I mean, can you imagine walking out your front door and going to Hot Sam? <laughs> sure. Well, that's exactly why I brought this up because you love mall food courts so much. Uh, my You'd apartment building had a food court. Yes. Little Luca Pizza. Oh, Luca Pizza and a blizzard for lunch every day. All right, Jay Baker. Interesting stuff. We thank everybody for uh, climbing aboard the public affairs train that is the Adam Ritz Show. You can listen to all of our episodes in podcast form on our website, adamritzshow.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Adam Ritz, and we are on Facebook at Adam Ritz Show. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, everybody. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.